Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack. We are out of co-hosts this week. Nick Kruger. Oh, I don't have internet at my house. I can't do it. Rob Cassidy. Oh, I've got people at my house. I can't do it. Adam Friedman, the officer. I'm on duty. I'm on patrol in College Park all day. I can't do it. So we worked our way down the bench and we end up with Dave Lackford. Dave, making your podcast debut. You listen to the show every week. Uh, now you're on co-hosting with me. How you doing? I made it, man. Glad to be here. I'm the utility man. Dave uh, runs our Kentucky prep site and our Florida varsity site. He's also from Philadelphia and is a uh, eclectic personality. Stock way up uh, uh, this spring, Dave. <laughs> so you've, you've, you've moved your way all the way up from the minor leagues to being on the show. Uh, so hopefully everything goes well and uh, you don't swear because you have a tendency to curse a lot in real life. Sorry, I got a code switch. You know, I'm a prosecutor. Adam's the officer. I'm the DA. <laughs> well, you guys have made quite a quite a team. I'm sure he'd have a lot of cases coming across. The problem is he would come to you. He would bring you a lot of cases that you couldn't take to trial because he has a hard time gathering evidence. He cooks him and, and Cassidy both cook up a lot of theories, but sometimes don't do the digging uh, to, to get the the stuff we need to send things to trial. As long as he keeps his body cam on, we'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, that's true hey he did, he did have his body cam on this week i saw he had some video of sam howell from a seven on seven tournament so uh we want to remind everyone to subscribe on itunes tell a friend hopefully we get some new listeners this week with the get the old lackford bump so uh, if this is your first time checking out the show please subscribe uh we're on various podcast forums uh things of that nature and we are grind this is grind season as you can tell we almost didn't have a show for probably the third straight week but uh we got her done so let's jump right into it uh dave i sent you a story earlier today we wanted to talk about it with uh, will muschamp talking did an interview with uh, the local paper there in south carolina the state which uh, sometimes interviews me and uh, sometimes takes my stories and doesn't give me credit depending on <laughs> the time of the, the time of the year and which reporter is doing it. But we do have some friends uh, there. I once applied for a job there and wasn't hired as well. So uh, he told the paper, and there, you know, we'll get into a little bit. He said basically that coaches who come into the SEC from outside of the conference have a tough time adjusting to the expectations. So here, here was the quote uh, from that article in the state. As much as anything, what's different in our league is is the recruiting element. It's 24-7, 365, and you have to be involved or it'll get away from you. That's what a lot of coaches who come in our league don't always understand is that side of it. The recruiting element of it, controlling your roster, making sure the depth of your roster is where it needs to be. That's the hard thing about being a coach in our league. Uh, It's not about what happens on Saturday afternoon. It's what leads up to it. So he's basically insinuating that – him and other guys who were already coaches in the SEC or systems in the SEC know what to expect. Now, I actually think you're going to, this is going to surprise you. I actually think he has a good point. And we've talked about this before that, especially like if you look at the, if you look at commitment lists in the SEC right now, including South Carolina, which is bringing pick up their 13th commit on Friday, by the time most people hear this, and then you compare it with the PAC 12, it's not even close. And the only guy right now who's recruiting in the Pac-12 like he was in the SEC is Mario Cristobal, who has that background. I mean, if we – I'm going to pull up the team rankings. I I honestly think a a lot of other conferences do have a more chill approach. I mean, right now, if we look at the SEC, um, every every school has at least four commits except Missouri and Vanderbilt – and several of them have double-digit commits, including Alabama, Texas A&M, South Carolina, Ole Miss, LSU. Uh, and then you go to the Pac-12, which is crazy. Cra- you look Oregon, at it. Crystal ball. Right. Oregon has 10. They just got their 10th today. Washington has eight. Three teams don't have any commits right now. Uh so, so Dave, what's your take? Do you think, you know, the whole it just means more? Do you think it's overblown? Obviously, we're renowned SEC homers if you check our iTunes reviews. But uh, I do feel like recruiting is more intense in the conference, and I think it has a lot to do with the schools being so close together uh, more than anything. So what's your take on that? 
Yeah, they're all in this, it's the Southeast Conference, and that's where most of the talent is, is the Southeast, right? And then they have to go and pluck certain kids out of Texas. They pluck kids from California. They all recruit on a national level. But, I mean, if you look at 2014, Florida was number eight in the country, right? And I think that was champs last year there, but they were fifth in the SEC. So, I mean, there's definitely a uh, – it's, it's an arms race down there. And, and just because you finish in the top 10 means you could finish, you know, sixth in a conference. Yeah. It's, it, it, and, and people, as I said, people get tired of it. And I don't think it's just an SEC thing. I think you know, because, because the, one of the articles we saw, you know, that it aggregated, this was on football scoop. And they said, well, how's Chad Morris going to handle being at Arkansas? Well, I would consider Clemson. I would put Florida state. I put Miami, they're forced to keep the same recruiting calendar because they're going for the same kids. Right. It's not just it's Texas is in there too, and and whoever else you want to Oklahoma, any of the Ohio State, any of the major powers. I think have to recruit on that. Now, the, like you said, the lesser teams in the SEC, though, you know, they're under more pressure. Vanderbilt continues to take this approach where they don't take any commits into their camp every year. And uh, we had uh, Bill Trochi, who's an editor here at Rivals, and who went to Vanderbilt, and who oftentimes. Uh, listens to the podcast to decide what stuff Rob said that we have to cut out before we go to air. <laughs> he was like, is Vanderbilt recruiting anyone? I haven't seen their name come across in a national article in three months. And, and I do think that's where Muschamp makes a point because, you know, Derek Mason came from Stanford. It's just a completely different approach. You can wait until camp before their senior year to take commitments or whatever. But you, I just don't think you can do that in the SEC, and I think we've seen the teams that are struggling in recruiting. It's not like Vanderbilt's going to go from last in the conference to even in the top half of it, even if they get 10 commits in the next month and a half. It's crazy. Well, Vanderbilt's a different animal, though. They're always in the bottom. So that article pointed out, you know, it's hard to be a new coach to the SEC. And then they talked about Derek Mason and they talked about Stoops at Kentucky, but they're not competing at the same level that the rest of the conferences, you know, they're not, they're not going after the guys Texas A&M is going after because they're not going to get them. They're not going to get the same guys as Alabama, LSU, or even Old Miss for that matter. They might poach two or three because they can, they can give them playing time, but you're not going to see Vanderbilt going head to head with uh Vanderbilt or with a, uh, Alabama or LSU and some kids top five, you know, they're going to be going up against schools like uh, Purdue, Kansas, uh, Louisville, stuff like that in that region. I mean, they can't even compete with Tennessee, really. And they're in the same state. So Tennessee's coming in there and taking the kids that they would get from the home state and they got to fight for scraps. So and, and Kentucky. Kentucky's like the uh, door, the, the get in the door offer for the SEC. So if you go to a Kentucky camp this summer, and, and I was there last year, Justin Rowland, he's the publisher for the Kentucky site on Rivals. Shout out to him. Uh, you know, Deerfield Beach is there. Uh, a lot of these Florida schools come in and they just come through with a busload of kids. And um, th- all these kids are trying to get their foot in the door with the SEC. And, you know, they got 2020 kids there last year, uh, 2019 kids last year picking up their first offers. And so, you know, Vanderbilt's probably like, well, we're not going to offer kids until you, we see you at the camp because then we don't want to be the, you know, the gateway to the SEC offers. And Vandy's academic standards are a little bit higher, too. So that's why Kentucky gets a higher turnout, I think, when, when you think about all these people coming from out of state trying to get those offers. So you're, you're talking about like two different recruiting pools within the SECs, you know, like to quote Meek Mills, there's levels to this. <laughs> Is that who said that? I don't. Yeah. It, it, you know, uh, it's it's funny. You know, Davis from Philadelphia, which we're going to talk about later, Dave. We got you got some explaining to do about this whole Twitter account fiasco, so we're going to get into that. Um, all right, so moving on, we want to talk real quick about transfers. Nick Saban, Nick Saban continues to rail against transferring. It, it seems like every and and then you know what's funny of course you know the the I'm reading a story here by Dennis Dodd at CBS Sports it's amazing how these coaches talk and and some of these national media people just just lap it up oh uh, you know the, the the article here is Alabama coach Nick Saban's take on transfer rules is exactly why reform is necessary first of all reform isn't necessary it's you know, and Jimbo Fisher's quoted in this article as well because all these coaches were talking down at the uh, SEC spring meetings in Destin. 
if a guy goes to school and graduates, he should be able to go wherever he wants. I mean, what does it matter? He did his part. He got right. his degree. He's, right. He's done. Right. Brandon Kennedy is not – he wasn't playing that much. And that's what Jimbo said. A guy's fulfilled his time and graduated from school and he's supposedly a man. He ought to be able to make those decisions. Uh, I know some people don't agree with that, but I do. They graduated. They ought to be able to transfer. And then, you know, Saban, Saban talks around in circles. He basically wants to be able to block guys, I mean, from going wherever they want. And he's facing a situation where he's probably going to lose one of his quarterbacks. Right. Um, I don't, you know, I don't I, see what the problem is, um, even for a kid who hasn't graduated yet. If you go there and you get beat out, if you come in as the number one running back, right? Like, let's say Najee Harris doesn't get to play because some some other guys beat him out. Let's say Damian Harris retains his spot, and uh, some other guy that they recruited takes Najee Harris's spot. Now he's third string on the depth chart. Why shouldn't he be able to maximize his value as as a uh, – he's already not getting paid, right? So they're already getting a lot of money off of these players, and they have value at this point in time, but they're not allowed to get – they're not allowed to reap any of the benefits from their value. So why not empower them and let them actually get something – from what they're doing. If you lose your spot, then you get transferred. I don't understand why that's even a rule. Um, I understand that these coaches want to, uh, they, they, they wear different hats and they have to teach these kids uh, commitment and, and all these things. And, uh, and a lot of times these coaches are, are quasi father figures and I get that. But at the same time, you can't, you can't stifle a kid from getting a shot to go pro, especially if the kid can transfer from Alabama to say, uh, for Vanderbilt, for instance, and, and then, you know, get some film against SEC caliber defense, put up, you know, 1,200 yards, and, and then, you know, raise his stock for the draft. You know. It's- right. And, and I could see, like, you know, there's a lot of talk about, oh, it's free agency. Personally, do I think a guy should be able to leave and go, you know, right away to the rival? Probably not. I mean, maybe they have to sit out a year or whatever, but – I feel like if you made some type of academic barrier, say a 3.0 GPA or something, and said if he is in good academic standings and wants to transfer, he should be able to go wherever he wants. Uh, and maybe you may, you know, and, and I don't know if you make the rule he he can't play against your team the first year or something like that. I don't know what rule you want to make, but I, I just think it just looks stupid. And, and I should say that, that was kind of what Dennis Dodd was talking about. So he was. He was taking the side of the players, which I like to see. So uh, it, it, it's just it's just frustrating that Saban thinks he can kind of bully his way into whatever he wants. And I think there was a time where that was true. But I think, you know, he's on the wrong side of history, as they would say on this <laughs> one. So he needs to he needs to chill with uh, with uh, pushing that agenda for sure. So. All right. Moving on. Uh, getting back to South Carolina. I meant to roll right into this topic, but I got distracted. Zach Pickens, five star defensive end from right across the border. I mean, it, we're talking you drive into South Carolina. He's right there in uh, Anderson. Uh, actually, probably closer to Athens. I'd have to look on the map, but it's it's tight. He. Close to Athens and he is to Columbia. Georgia was heavily involved there. He took a visit, posted a selfie with Kirby Smart. I even got word the day, it was last Friday, I got word that he might be committing to Georgia. So we put wheels in motion to get some content ready there. He's not a guy who does a ton of interviews. I think, you know, his mom felt like he got burned by a reporter early in the process and kind of shut him down. He didn't go to, I don't think he went to, any camps this off season and it makes it tough on me because, you know, here I am um, ranking this kid as a five-star because I believe in his ability. And then you, you basically don't have access to him. Um, mm. So, but anyway, he ends up uh, announcing after a spring game, he commits to South Carolina. This is a major victory because Anderson is also, I mean, a stone's throw from Clemson. We've seen Clemson recruit so many good uh, defensive linemen. They're loaded with three or four, you know, really high draft picks are projected in next year's draft. South Carolina steals Pickens. And I think Muschamp deserves credit. I think the whole staff deserves credit. Working the relationships, you know, connecting with uh, the mother, as I mentioned, who was was integral here as, as she was really steering the ship. So uh, we don't have to spend a ton of time talking about it. But anytime you have the number one player in the state decide this early and it's a five-star and you beat out – you know, he, not only did you beat out Clemson, your main rival, you beat out an in-conference rival in Georgia. So I uh, just wanted to touch on that real quick. So, Dave, you live in Louisville, correct? Yes, sir. How do you say it? Can you say it for us? Louisville. 
<laughs> now you're from Philadelphia, so you don't really have that southern accent. No, so, I uh, but I, I screw it up all the time and say Louisville, and I, I, you know, I catch it from the locals around here, and they correct me, and it's annoying. It's like I'm not from here. Just let me screw it up, all right? I got Lua right. I'm not saying Louis. I'm saying Louisville. Come on, give me a break. Give me halfway. Well. And they call that camp whatever, like light up the ville. It's not load up the vol no. or whatever, right? <laughs> it's not. Also, I got people in uh in Anderson, South Carolina. So shout out to Zach Pickens, shout out to Anderson, um, Calhoun Falls, Abbeville, that whole area out there, you know. So uh uh actually my my ex wife is from the same town as Martavius Bryant and Kelly Bryant, which is Calhoun Falls. So shout out to South Carolina. Now who was the who was the reporter now? Because you cover South Carolina. Did you screw it up? <laughs> I would say it was not someone who worked at Rivals. And honestly, I feel like it was a miscommunication. I know the reporter who was, you know, alleged to be the uh, the person at fault here. And I personally felt like uh, this person uh, is trustworthy. And I don't. I I, I highly doubt that they you know, made up uh, an interview, which was kind of what it was accused of. I'm not calling Zach Pickens and his mom a liar or anything. I just think there was a miscommunication because how many times has a kid said something to you in an interview and then he tells the next reporter something completely different? I mean, it happens all it happens all the time. Yeah, I, I get in trouble for what kids tell me that I don't even report and then it gets back to somebody and I have a parent or a coach calling me saying, he didn't say that. Well, well, yes, he did. But I don't put it out there and I still get in trouble. So I feel his pain. Oh, also speaking of South Carolina and Louisville, um, I believe four-star offensive tackle uh, Mark Fox from Miami, Florida is taking an official visit to Louisville right now. I think he is on South Floyd Street. So um, <laughs> at least that's what I was told from sources close to the Louisville program. So that's the South Carolina Louisville connection. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this uh, recruiting class they have these signees right now, and it sure is looking a lot like what he was doing at Florida, where he's got a ton of good players on the defensive side of the ball, and then uh, not so many good guys on the offensive side of the ball. Now he did get Ryan Halinski, so shout out to Champ on that. But Champ, can we go back to that for one second? I know we moved on, but I just have to say sure. one more thing. He recruited well. So he's like, it's not about what you do on Saturdays. It's also about recruiting. Well, Champ, you you finished second, 12th, third, fourth, and eighth in the country when you were there. And you went four and eight. With it. You know, at some point you got fired. So I would say uh, Saturdays has a little bit to do with the coach, uh, you know, there's some adjustments to be made out on the field and X and O's matter, you know, especially when you're recruiting at that high of a level. And those rankings were weighted heavily because he got so many good defensive players and not so good on the offensive side. So things are kind of looking a little Gainesville here right now. Well, but I feel like I honestly feel like he's a much better coach now. I think he learned a lot of lessons, even making the change at offensive coordinator this past year, like they did. Uh, it shows that that they're kind of willing to he's willing to evolve instead of perhaps you know going get you know getting being Kurt locked Roper into again. his ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, getting Kurt Roper for the nineteenth time. Uh, so anyway, I I would uh, I, I don't know. I like to, I like the direction South Carolina is going, especially you consider that Tennessee's down right now, Florida's down. I, I probably would say it goes Georgia and then South Carolina in terms of the SEC East uh, pecking order right now. But uh, mm. anyway, the reason I wanted to talk to you about Kentucky, we're going to put you on the spot, Dave. Okay. All right. We got the, the 2019 Rivals.com Kentucky Top 10, which which will change uh, for sure by the time we update these rankings in the next month or so. But we're going to do a little where will they go action. So mm. we're going to start at the top with Stephen Heron, currently committed to Michigan. Now, uh I'm going to make a projection right now. This is just my personal opinion that he ends up at Stanford and not at Michigan. Where do you think? Where do you think he he ends up signing? I'm going to co-sign that, and yeah, he's going to be a card. He's going to he's going to the Cardinals. All right. Next up, Milton Wright, number two, four-star mm-hmm. wide receiver. You pick first this time. Lightning round. Just pick a school gun yeah. in my head. Mm. Ohio State. Okay, I think he I think he goes to Louisville. That's my pick there. Brian Hudson, I think we both think he sticks with Virginia Tech. He's a four-star offensive lineman. Jacob Lacey, four-star defensive tackle. I think he ends up at Notre Dame where he's currently committed. 
Uh, Sean Kell Knight Goff just decommitted from Florida or from Kentucky, excuse me, after committing, I don't know, two weeks ago. <laughs> so uh, he, that's why I thought he was from Florida with that type of behavior. I think personally he ends up at Louisville. He's from Louisville. That's my pick there. Uh, yeah, I think he'll end up at Louisville. Funny story about that. Um, <laughs> I tweeted out when he committed to Kentucky that uh, this may start a domino effect for uh for for you know these local louisville kids to go to kentucky and i i had one of the i had a coach dm me and say hey stack those dominoes back up <laughs> i thought that was pretty funny right yeah well you we're definitely gonna have to reshuffle the deck for sure as, as that changed so so you think he goes to louisville also yeah for sure okay uh tanner bowles currently committed to alabama i am going to predict a flip eventually to kentucky i know i just have a feeling I've always felt like he was going to go to Kentucky. I know Kentucky fans, uh, you know, or maybe Alabama fans get mad at me. I personally think he is going to stay in state. You think he sticks with the tide? No, I think he I think he flips. I'm just not sure it's Kentucky or Louisville. His brother played for Louisville as a tight end and he got injured and Louisville took really good care of him. So there's there's a connection to Louisville, too. So I could see yeah, him coming back to either one. What was the story? His dad played no, at, at baseball yeah, at Kentucky? Yeah, his dad played baseball at Kentucky, and his brother played tight end at Louisville. And his brother suffered a pretty serious, I believe it was a neck injury, uh, very early in his career there. And, um, you know, they, they didn't pull this guy. They took care of him. So, um, you know, there's a lot of goodwill from both of those schools. Uh, okay, next, Ricky Barber. I don't know who's he. A three-star defensive end. He's right? he's like a hybrid. He's a kid that has to put on a little bit more weight. He's kind of like a tweener, DND tackle. But I think he's going to go to Purdue if if you know if if he's a take, as they say. If he doesn't go to Purdue, I can see him somewhere like Marshall or Western Kentucky. Yeah, he's been off the radar for a while. Doesn't have a hasn't had a story written on him in a year, Dave. So I better get on. I it. did write a story on him. I I, I just forgot to uh, tag him because I'm terrible at that. <laughs> I always forget to do it. <laughs> All right, next up, JJ Weaver. This guy on the rise. That uh, guy with a lot of recruiting momentum. He is well, he's listed as a four star now on his profile. Looks like some of these rankings uh, updates already went in a little prematurely. Yeah, you did that. <laughs> uh, uh, I did not do that. I changed. I might have changed his ranking. But I sent it to Mike uh, to do. Mike might have put him in early. I think uh, he ends up at uh, Georgia. Is going to be my pick. Nah, nah, too far. He's he's going to go to. I'm going to say he stays home and goes to Louisville. Really? Yeah. Because he told me in that interview that, you know, he wants to stay close to his mom. Like, he said that. So it's either going to be Louisville, Kentucky, or Purdue. And gun to my head, I'm going to say he stays in the city. Yeah, you never know. Sometimes, sometimes, uh, you know, maybe the mom follows him to. to the neck of the woods where he's got to go to school. You know, no, that's yeah. not. She is from, she is from, uh, what? Fort Lauderdale? She's from Broward? Yeah, from, from Broward County. Yeah. yeah. But that's which is one of the main sales I had on selling him to Mike Farrell for the five-star challenge. So he's not really from, he's not really from Kentucky. Um, Has he posted that yet? <laughs> Has he gotten no. into his email? <laughs> no, he was having email issues and I haven't sent out the invites. I got to do that too. That's on partially on me. So, uh, all right, next up, Wandale Robinson, another four star. Uh, this one, a wide receiver. Just got Ohio State. Uh, I'll let you pick first because I don't really have a read on him. Kentucky, book it. Okay. And then last but not least, Aiden Robbins, three star running back athlete. Kentucky also? Yeah. Kentucky. Um,. <laughs> I'm gonna text. I'm gonna text Mike right now and make sure that all these rankings are supposed to be showing up. Well, um, I already wrote an article about them, so I <laughs> I hope it's cool. Did you publish it already? Yeah. Oh, what did Kentucky Prep say? It was, it was something like uh, Kentucky prospects who earn their stars at the Rivals Camp Series. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens uh, if if. Uh, Mike realized that he he put him in, or or what happened? It's done tremendously well, thousands of clicks. Probably my best right. article ever. Yeah, big 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 time ratings. You sound like it's your president there. I respect uh, the office, man. <laughs> okay, so that was a that was a Kentucky special. That was for your audience, Dave. So you can sell that to your uh, to your various uh, followers. All right. Last but not least, off topic time. 
St- uh, not Stan Hinkie, uh, your boy, Brian Colangelo, 76ers, president of perhaps general manager, caught embroiled in a scandal about having burner Twitter accounts. Uh, it seems like something new is happening every day. They're linking it to his wife. They think he might also be commenting on stories. What was your take when you said, when you read that story that uh, was written by the ringer, I believe came out a couple days ago. It started with an egg. And then, so have you ever seen the always sunny in Philadelphia where Charlie's working in the mail room and he's got like this whole conspiracy theory thing going on. It reminded me of that. Like the guy said he did like an analytical uh, research project based upon the fact that like all of these different eggs followed the same people and kind of used the same uh, linguistic patterns. And then he, he tied it back to Brian Colangelo somehow. And personally, I don't, I don't care. He drafted Markel Fox over Tatum and Donovan Mitchell. So if he got to go, he got to go. No. <laughs> Markel Fultz, you are really turning. You are really from Philadelphia. You said Fox. I said Fultz. <laughs> no, you said Fox. Whatever, Fox, Fultz, Mud, whatever, man. Who gets drafted number one in the NBA draft and then forgets how to shoot? Well, that's what he was defending himself about on these burner Twitter accounts. So, first of all, your normal Twitter account is problematic enough. Yes. I should say, I should have had you clean it up. Well, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to reel that in a little bit. Uh, in the future, because there's definitely been some burner account, sh- what should have been burner account <laughs> activity. Uh, if anybody goes back and searches your tweet history, I can assure you of that. Number two, uh, stop giving people ideas, man. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> You're putting me on blast here, Russ. You need to get like cyber dust. Is that still a thing? Yeah, uh, but it posts for you, and that's embarrassing. I got to figure out how to not have it post for me. Well, you need to just have a, like a 30-second rule, especially if you're watching like a Florida State game, it seems like. Um, man, you go way boy, back. You've been, you've, been, uh, you've been doing your homework, man. Are you the guy that outed Calangelo? Are, are you the one that cooked this thing up? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I get in so much trouble for my Twitter account that I should have a burner account. It, was discuss- it has been discussed uh, with me and other people who have also gotten in trouble for their Twitter accounts, people who don't work at Rivals, just people I'm – associates with in real life but i've never i've never done it i mean i have three or four twitter accounts but they're all in my name and there's the podcast um you know i got i got three instagrams i got three facebooks but they're all me you know what i mean they're not like you know a fake name uh you have two phones (laughs) i only got one phone i should get another phone i wish i had another phone um but do you think – how prevalent do you think this really is? Do you think college football coaches have second accounts? Do you think oh, – Absolutely. Absolutely they do. I mean half the kids you talk to you know, on Twitter, you're talking to their dad or their coach or something. So definitely these coaches have uh, burner accounts. You know, It will be you know, uh, Vol for Life 1372 Egg you know, and he's, he's replying to everything you say. I swear there's one here in Louisville. There's this guy named Good Ambition – it's like the worst Twitter account ever. And he just talks trash to every recruit that doesn't pick Louisville. And then any kid that reports an offer, you know, he's, he's shaking his pom-poms on, online. It's, it's terrible. I, I definitely, definitely not calling, no, not saying any names, but I mean, I mean, why wouldn't you <laughs> if you can't be traced? <laughs> well, we know you don't. As I said, we know you don't because of how your normal Twitter account is. I, like I said, it, I've basically I've had to really Jeez. scale back. Jeez, I've had to I've had to scale back on Twitter just because, like I said, I get in trouble for a lot of things. Uh, you know, I, I've never I've never done anything you know racist or sexist or anything like that. But you know, I'm have a volatile personality, and sometimes you know, I've been known to uh, to you know I don't know what what term you want to use, but you know, get into I get myself in a lot of trouble. Put it that way. So, uh, I feel you, brother. I'm, hey, <laughs> I'm the same way. I got people saying, dude, what are you doing? Uh, Mike Langston, when I first started doing uh, Florida varsity, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing to me here? So, yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and use the advanced filter search and just think <laughs> <laughs> of every curse word combination. And I'm very creative with my curse word combinations, too. So, this could get tricky. I might just delete my account and make a new one. <laughs> Well, just let, let Rob is great at Rob is great at checking up on people's Twitter accounts. So uh, wow. I'm sure he I'm sure he'd be glad to go oh, and find. Uh, oh. The dog's barking like an idiot. Hold on. 
<laughs> We've had plenty of dog barks uh, before. Just, just, just you hit the old mute button there. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. Dave. I'm sitting here looking. <laughs> Dave taking the place of uh, Rob Casty in terms of making uh, all types of weird noises uh, when the podcast is on. But anyway, uh, I personally think it's not looking good for uh, Brian Colangelo and anyone who has a burner Twitter account who's in a position of authority. I think you should be careful because it's clear you can be outed. I mean, it's it's obvious now. Uh, my girlfriend of the show, Jamel Hill, my former pickup basketball, uh, you know, pick and roll teammate, used to always give me the green light, which I loved. She is really putting people, really putting people on blast on Facebook today uh, with some names of people calling her, people calling her names, and they use their real names, and she's now posting them with and tagging their employer in every tweet. So. Aww. I, I feel like, you know, I got, uh, you know, back, you know, uh, earlier, there's been times where I've received death threats and stuff like that, and I haven't reported any of them or anything like that. It's just, I don't think anyone's going to kill me based on Twitter or anything like that. But people, remember, you're talking to another person. If it's not something you would say in real life, don't say it. The problem is, uh, <laughs> the problem the problem is I say a lot of mean stuff in real life. So, <laughs> as any, I may be meaner in real life than I am on Twitter, especially if uh, if uh, somebody crosses me the wrong way. So that's the key, avoiding those situations. But if you have a burner account, it just there's no upside. Uh, there's there's no real upside there. And when you're trolling people, you know, guess what? You could be put on blast by someone like Jamel who has a big platform and it's well within her right, I think. So. Uh, what are we going to learn? Kevin Durant, do, are we going to go through this every year? Are we going to talk, have a, have a burner account lesson about, you know, relax on social media, chill out, be nice. I don't know. I don't, I don't like the whole thing where you, you act at people and then you, uh, then you get them fired and all that stuff though. I, I really don't like that. Cause I'm from Philly. We don't snitch up there. So stop snitching. You know? Well, I'm not a, here's the thing. I'm with you. I'm not a fan of snitching. But if someone is telling me they're going to kill me, then we got problems. You know what I mean? Because as you said, you can't really handle that like you would in Philly via the internet. So, um, you know, I think you're putting yourself in a bad situation. Especially I would, when I would just, tell them to meet me outside. <laughs> <laughs> catch me outside. How about catch that? me outside. Put my location on. <laughs> yeah, meet me in Temecula. Uh, yeah, for sure. So, all right, moving on. Time for Tweet of the Week. We have no sound effects this week. As I said, Nick had, does not have access to the internet, and uh, we don't have a lot of post-production. So I've got uh, several tweets of the week, believe it or not. Oh. This, number one comes from uh, Isaiah Henney, who appears to be a football player in the Big Sky Conference. Uh, I can't. Let me see who he plays for real quick before I – for he plays for the Hornets, so <laughs> that's all I know. <laughs> all Somebody, right. uh, Sacramento State, for Sacramento State. Um, he said, So, we have a picture from a girl, attractive young lady, uh, who says, What you've been waiting for, and it's just a picture of herself, you know, smiling, which got 992 retweets and 16,000 likes. So, she clearly, this is a photo a lot of people like. And our boy Isaiah retweets her and says, you look nothing like NCAA 2018. <laughs> <laughs> Amen on that. Bring it back. Right. So very good tweet by Isaiah. 25,000 retweets and 100,000 likes. So uh, he outdid our girl Faith, uh, who had a nice picture of herself. Uh, but sorry, Isaiah says, give me that NCAA football. Now, another, another great tweet, which uh, came through in the past week, Eric Monroe who uh, is a safety for LSU, correct? Yes, sir. You, you remember? He says, only thing on my mind right now, and he puts a picture of himself holding the ball, you know, and it looks like it's from the spring game. Okay. At which point he's retweeted by former five-star Jacoby Stevens, another LSU safety, and says, yourself, question mark? <laughs> <laughs> Which I really, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, <laughs> you got to do you, man. You're right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, and then last but not least, getting back to Zach Pickens, when he committed, uh, we had some analysis go up, at which point Tim responded, which Tim, by the way, potential burner account, because his name is Tim. Five five nine five four three five zero. He's got thirteen f- tweets. He follows twenty one people, and he has one follower. Sounds okay. like a Vladimir to me. 
Right. He responds, they still suck with a smiley face. <laughs> At which point, Cocky Boy, which is a South Carolina football fan, just a fan account doing its best to bring you interesting news from your South Carolina Gamecocks, no affiliation with the university, responds to him and says, speaking of sucking, is that how you got to know your one follower? Oh. <laughs> Sing. Shots Shots fired. So three great tweets this week, and at least you laughed at them. Usually uh, Nick and Dave just leave me hanging, So uh, even though they never really suggest tweets themselves. So uh, I enjoyed that. Those were, those were all good tweets. Uh, moving on, now it's time for rants and recommendations. So they, you, didn't ha- you, didn't have much, uh, you didn't have much advance notice. Did, were you able to pull up any sort of uh, – any sort of rant or any sort of recommendation? I mean, I could just do like a lightning round rant off the top of my head if you want. <laughs> All right. Number one, when I go to work every day, I'm a prosecutor. I work at the Hall of Justice. There's a metal detector that you have to go through before you go into the court, right? And a lot of you people have been to court many times, and the name of the device is a metal detector. It can't be any clear what its purpose is. It's a, if you call it a gun, a bullet shooter or you know, a frying pan, a frying pan, right? So, But you don't need to take your money and your wadded up handkerchief with snot on it and put it in the bin. You don't need, you don't need to take out your wallet. You put your keys in there, your cigarettes, your cell phone, and, and you keep it moving. But apparently that's too complex for some people to grasp. And I have to sit there late for work every day because I, I just can't get anywhere on time. And it's annoying. Also, I don't like aggressive panhandlers. You know, don't come up to my window, man. Play the curb. You know, back up. What are you doing? Uh, I hate people that are in line at the convenience store or the corner store. Shout out to Webb's Market on the corner here. Uh, buying lottery scratch-offs. Uh, they want they have $20 and they want a wide variety of them all. How about you give me your $20? I'll give you back $4 and then you can buy $4 in lottery. <laughs> okay, right, right. So- <laughs> That's my lightning round rant. You want wait, so first of all, you want change from the panhandlers? No, I don't I don't want anything from the oh. panhandler. I want them to stay on the curb. Like don't come into traffic. It's dangerous. And yeah, nobody has no. cash anyway. Like I told this one guy, he's like, Hey man, oh you got any change? I was like, nah, nobody has change. We have cards. I was like, you gotta get one of those little card reader things for your iPhone, man. <laughs> the square. Yeah, you should tell yeah. the guy to get, get tell them. Tell the total look of bewilderment on his face made me want to give him five dollars. You know, like, oh man, like you don't even know what I'm talking about. Well, listen, do not come to Atlanta if you don't like panhandlers walking out in traffic because you've got every everybody walks out in traffic in this city, and the panhandlers are are definitely to another level, especially at stoplights and stuff like that. So, uh, number two, the reason why you have so many problems with that metal detector at work is because of TSA. TSA has set a bad precedent of saying. Everything out of your pockets. That means everything. <laughs> and they, they've said, look, people probably be taking off their shoes and their belts because, you know, they're, they're so used to being scolded by these mall cops who work at the airport. Okay, when you come here, when we do our recruiting, when we do our Kentucky tour, I'm going to take you to the Hall of Justice, and we're gonna, I'm going to give you a clicker, and I want you to click it every time you see someone who you think has ever been on an airplane, or let alone can afford bus fare. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Be careful. You're getting into Cassidy territory. We right, do not. Listen, I was just at the, the Cab County Courthouse last Monday on jury duty, so oh, right. uh, you're not telling me. How did that me go? How did me. that go? I got selected. We got up there. We were waiting, waiting, waiting. And then, boy, by the way, the person who, okay, so these people who wrangle the jury, right? I don't know what their exact job title is. They are so afraid of the judge. It's clear that they're like, I mean, they're, they're, they're like, it's almost like a, like an abusive father or something. Like they're worried about getting an old wooden spoon or something from the belt from dad. Have you found that to be true? Uh, certain, certain judges are a little harsher than other judges. Yeah. I mean, this guy was, this guy was legitimately scared when somebody accidentally went to walk in the courtroom. Uh, Oh, you know why? Yeah. Because there's a lot of rules. Um, so if somebody, if somebody hears something they're not supposed to hear or they're, you know, it it could, it could, um, sour the whole hearing and then you got to do it again. So I kind of understand Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, he was really afraid. But anyway, it looked like he told us, strap in. We're going to be there all day. We might not get out till 7 o'clock. And then next thing you know, probably a prosecutor like yourself came in with a plea deal or something. 
and we were out of there. So uh, we got out of there by about 11 o'clock. So it wasn't, nice. wasn't bad at all. Um, so you just reminded me and you're complaining. I had a couple of complaints. <laughs> Number one, this Surprise. is now you, this gets to traveling. So when was, when was the last time you went on an airplane? I know you've been driving everywhere to go to these camps, right? Yeah, it's been a minute since I've flown, man. Probably like 2015, man. It's been a minute. I think I flew to, <laughs> back to, I flew to Philly from here. Jeez, that is a long time. You've just been, you've been beating the streets, huh? Yeah. I mean, I, I was in law school from 2012 to 2015, and then, you know, you got kids. I just don't fly that often, man. I'm not, I'm not as glamorous. I don't live the glamorous life like you. Okay, so part of my glamorous life includes oftentimes sitting in the exit row on the plane, right? You know, I'm a big dude. I like to have a little more space. I feel like I could be of assistance in case of emergency, right? Okay. So when you sit in an emergency row, it is it must be some type of federal mandate that before you take off, the flight attendant comes to you and says, Sir, or, you know, hey, can I have everyone's attention? Yeah, everyone has to look up. Now, you've always got some punk kid who has their headphones in, or you've got someone just not paying attention, looking at their phone. But it's it's standard procedure, right? Like, it, it's standard procedure of, you know, this is what you got to do. So, you have to say, I understand, you say, okay, I, everyone, I need a verbal yes. You know you're seated in an exit row. You are willing and able to assist in a case of emergency. I need a verbal yes from each person. And they go one by one. Yes, yes. yeah. You're right? Right, right. Yeah. And without fail, every flight, half the people nod their head immediately after she said, I need a verbal yes. It drives me crazy the amount of times where – and then the people, she goes, I need a verbal yes after they nod their head and they and they act so annoyed. They're like, yes. And it's like, well, you didn't listen. She just said three seconds ago that you needed to say a verbal yes and you didn't say it. So if you're going to sit in the exit row, come prepared. Okay. That extra leg room comes with extra responsibility. So uh, I've had about enough of that. Number two, I talked to uh, – uh, boy, speaking of which, Cassidy already trying to get uh, trying to take some of my content away from the from the rankings files. He just sent an email, unavailable to record the podcast, but able to send emails. Huh? <laughs> Must be nice. So, uh, number two, I talked to Rob about this. People putting their feet up when they're the passenger seat of a car, bare feet. How gross is it when you're driving on the road and you see someone's disgusting feet up on the dash? What do you think about that, Dave? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's in their car, man. It's not bothering me that much. I don't care. I can't smell it, you know? Okay. Right, but what happens What happens if you – okay, so I get pulled over all the time for not wearing my seatbelt, right? I mean, to the point where even one cop was like, how many times have you been pulled over for this? I was like, I don't know, 10? He's like, then why don't you wear your seatbelt? I'm like, because it doesn't affect anybody except me. If I don't want to wear my seatbelt, that's on me. Uh, why don't motorcyclists have to wear helmets, right? Well, they do. <laughs> they just don't. Well, not in Florida, dude. They can just they can just let it ride. Well, Florida's the wild, wild south, man. That's a whole other place. Number, you know? number two, kids don't have to wear seatbelts on school buses. How do kids <laughs> not have to wear? I mean, right? <laughs> what, what, what kind of rule is that? So you go online and you see horrific stories of people. This is why you shouldn't put your feet on the dashboard, woman warns. Uh, all my life, I had my legs crossed and my foot on the dash. My husband always told me, you're going to get in a wreck someday. You're going to break your legs. I always thought I'd put my foot down in time. Two years ago, her life changed completely. Airbag went off, throwing my foot up and breaking my nose. I was looking at the bottom of my foot facing me. <laughs> Her ankle, femur, and arm were all broken by the, imp by the impact. Basically, my whole right side was broken, and it's simply because of ignorance. <laughs> is this a PSA? This is a wooden PSA. Yeah, it is. It's a recommendation. Don't put your disgusting <laughs> feet up on the dash unless you want to be eating them when you get in an accident. Oh, that's great word economy too. You just nailed two birds with one stone with that. You did a rant and a recommendation. Right. So I like that. So if you see somebody, please advise, just Google it. Google foot on the dash accident and you'll see people be people eating their feet uh, for dinner uh, because they they think they're Superman, as she says in this story. So 
that would be my rant and my recommendation. Also, I would say the same applies to the to the uh, exit row. Do not sit in the exit row unless you're capable of articulating the word yes. I see people get kicked out. If the stewardess is in a bad mood, you know, especially you're flying out of Atlanta, believe me, you get some sassy people, you know, men and women. Oh, yeah. They will tell you, you don't respond fast enough. They're like, you know what? You're out of here. Uh, so... Dave, then whenever you get on a plane again five years from now, uh, hey, are you going to come down to Atlanta for the publisher conference? Oh, yeah. I already got my hotel room booked and everything. I'm straight. I'm driving, though. I'm not flying. So I saw at the gym this morning, Washington Wizards forward Mike Scott. And guess what? We might be bringing in a ringer uh, if if, uh, these people from NCSA finally back up their claim to come play. How do you think they're going to feel when I walk in with an NBA uh, starting power forward. They won't care. They, remember, they're all former athletes, you know. They're going to throw us <laughs> one. Hey, you know, I'll tell you what, though. I'm afraid to play basketball. I'm 40, and I'm afraid I, I'll come down wrong, and my I'll be looking at my foot, and my femur will be all broke up like that girl in the car, man. <laughs> it's a dangerous game when you get my age, dude. I just step out of bed well, wrong, and I'm limping for like two hours. That's why you do what I do. I never leave the ground. Uh, everyone will tell you, you would be amazed at the amount of shots I make without leaving my feet. It is, uh, and guess what? That's the benefit of never having athleticism. People who were super athletic when we were 20 and now have lost it when we're 35, they don't know how to play. I've never been super athletic. My game's always been played well below the rim, below the net, I would say. And, uh, <laughs> guess who, guess who's laughing now as I continue to rain down threes on uh, opposing 14-year-olds at whatever park we happen upon uh, when we're traveling. Yeah, you're so, that old guy at the YMCA now. Congratulations on your transition uh, to that stage of adulthood. That, that's right. And I call out. I Even last time we played with Corey, or two times ago with Corey Gibson, who is a, is a spry young man at 22 years old, I called out an old man move, and I still got him on it with the old scoop to the hoop. Uh, so – Guess what? It's waiting for you. Whoever wants to come get some, we will be playing in Atlanta uh, in less than a month. I am. Uh, I need to go get some shots up. I should. You know what I should do? I should pick the court because we're playing here in my home city, and I should just go practice on that rim for the next month. Yeah, that's, so that's, that's an unfair con- advantage, man. I don't know. I don't know if that's in the uh, integrity of the game right there, bro. <laughs> well, so real quick before we go, we did get five iTunes reviews. We're up to 83 Although we, we <laughs> it looks like four, several of them were left by the same person, uh, efforting uh, to get a free T-shirt. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sort of. only one counts, and you know, like integrity's big here. Now that I'm on the show, right? Yeah, we we can't have my great husband said this is a great podcast. My dad said this is a great. I, I think this person might have three kids. <laughs> three kids and a wife all were sent here to to and and there was some controversy as well as uh as the person rob said uh, i can't find the tweet of course see this is the problem when you leave your twitter open for direct messages i get so many messages that i end up losing people uh and i end up losing so we had a person message and say hey you said i was going to get a hat before um you said i was going to get a hat before and you never sent it to me uh, which was probably which is true because then he messaged me again another time. But now the question is, where is that tweet? I lost it again. So uh, we're definitely going to get it taken care of. I think um, I think Rob is in charge of all free. Well, send him some, some, send him some of Rob's junk in addition to the hat to make up for it. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to give him the hat. We're going to give him some of Rob's junk. I have to find a hat. I was the one... I was the one with all the hats. I used to have a, a stockpile of hats. Oh, here it is. This is this is Antoine Antoine Hicks is who uh, he's he sent me uh, a message on January twenty fifth. Hey Woody, thanks for the shout out on the show. My son and I are huge fans. We appreciate it. My son is a good youth football player. I'll make sure to get the inside track when that comes. I'll be happy to send you an address for that hat. That was on January twenty fifth. He responds again on May twenty fifth and says, "Hey, Woody." Send me my hat. Yeah, up, He's in New Jersey. Five Dave. months, bro. You want to just huh? it's been five months. You said in January you said you were gonna send it to him. <laughs> yeah, but I clearly never saw it because it went into my filtered. You know, when you're verified on Twitter, Dave, 
you got all types of filters working on your DMs. I don't know. If I got you know Coach. I got Coach Brown uh, working on that for me right now. I put him on the case. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck. I think they shut it down because they uh, verified too many uh, people like Coach, like Coach Brown. Brown. They realized <laughs> we need to stick to real celebrities, not phonies like Coach. Um, so anyway, I will take care of you, uh, Antoine. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to respond right now while it's on my brain. So this. Uh, it looks like the person who submitted these other reviews is not Antoine. It's somebody different. So uh, we will have to enter them into the contest. Only one entry, though. But we're still in our chase for 100 by the end of the year. And we're sitting pretty now at 83. So uh, those ratings really do help us with our positioning in the uh, Apple Podcast Store and on other sites as well. So please leave a review uh, for us. That wraps it up. Dave, how do you think it went, uh, your first ever uh, podcast appearance here? I don't think we had to hit the dump button, so I'd say it was a success. I, yeah, I didn't. The good thing about you with that Philadelphia accent is you might have you might have cussed, and we just didn't catch it. So uh, hopefully, hopefully, it slips through. What's your NBA Finals prediction? NBA Finals start here, you know, in a few hours, maybe less. Uh, what do you think? Golden State and six. Oh, giving them two games. For some reason, I don't know. I've been <laughs> you're gonna think this is crazy. I've been feeling I've been feeling like people have been doubting the Cavs a little too much. I know it doesn't make sense. I know it'd take a miracle, but uh, you know, my logic says Warriors in five, but my heart says Cavs in seven. My so, heart says uh, Cavs in seven too. I want LeBron to win for real. Because all the hatred towards him is irrational. He's a good dude, he's a baller, he's one of the best ever. How can y'all like this guy? He's carrying his whole team on his back. Like Greg Jennings, you know? So shout out to LeBron. <laughs> Go Cavs. But if I had to put yeah. my money on it, I'm going with Golden State 6. All right. All right. That wraps it up. We will be back with another episode next week. Hopefully joined by somebody. I think, you know, we've got rankings meetings next week. Rob has to go to Florida State's campus. He's always efforting to get out of content already, uh, trying to switch assignments with me, as I mentioned. So we'll see. Uh, he never listens. To, Rob never listens to the show. He didn't even have Rob wasn't even downloading it to help our numbers until I made him do it. So um, hopefully we get at least me and Nick on here. If not, you never know, Dave. You might be back in action. I'm so, here, I'm ready. Uh, so stay. All right, stay ready. You don't have to get ready. That wraps it up, and uh, we'll be back with another episode next week. 